As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It's Tuesday, November 1st. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris on this episode. We will discuss 2022 second baseman, taking a look back at a position that is kind of strange because there aren't that many players who are only second baseman anymore. If you're a second baseman, you probably wear a few other gloves. Same hat, but uh, many other gloves now for current second baseman. It'd be weird if you had another hat on. Maybe you should have to wear a different hat for each position you play. <laughs> oh, no. Don't give Maverick any idea. <laughs> if you're wearing the orange hat, you can only be in the orange circle. That's where we're headed. That's definitely <laughs> where we're headed. So as we've done throughout the series, we're going to kind of go tier by tier, just looking back to see where there was value, where there wasn't, in hopes of having a good plan as we move forward. Now, We've talked about a lot of these players on the shortstop review episodes. We'll try and sidestep some of the guys like you know, Trey Turner, who we talked about in the last episode and actually won't even be a second baseman next year, which is the other thing we're keeping an eye out for is the players that lost eligibility at second base. Many of these players, because they're multi-position eligible, if a greater need surfaced somewhere else, that's where they played most of their games this season. The first player we should talk about, though, is one of the few young everyday second baseman because a lot of the everyday second baseman the second base only players tend to be older but we have Ozzy Albies who missed a ton of time with injuries only played I think a total of 64 games in 2022 you know he was carrying an ADP inside the top 20 if we go back and look at what was happening back in April uh, so I'm just curious with a lost season how much you would adjust your expectations if at all for Ozzy Albies going forward I mean if his draft Cost goes down. I'll I'll be interested in him again, but there's a, a little whiff. Oh, a little odor of Rujned about uh, Albies in that he's not as good as his fantasy stats, mm. and I don't think that he's anywhere close to Odor in terms of like risking losing playing time. But I also am not sure that he's going to get back to 100 runs and 100 RBI and be necessarily the choice at the top of the order if he's going to be basically a league average bat. You know what I mean? 
I mean, we've got a guy who has a career uh, 322 OBP, but that's uh, a little bit weighted early in his career. Over the last three seasons, his high is 310. And when you have Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna Jr., um, and Matt Olson, do you really need to put Albies in the top three? And that starts costing him plate appearances and runs an RBI. So uh, long story short, I will buy him, you know, if he's like maybe a fourth or or something rounder, fourth or fifth rounder. I haven't like, I'm not looking exactly at the numbers yet, but if he drops in a few rounds, then I'm interested because this position, uh, frankly, is not a good one. Yeah, in a typical year, you get power and speed too, right? Yeah. So even if you have some concerns about the OBP, I don't think it hurts him enough to cost him playing time. He's right. still so young. He's going to be 26 in January. It costs, it costs him plate appearances relative to lineup position. Yes. But I don't think they're going to mix and match him. I think he's yeah, yeah. part of what makes him appealing is even if he falls in the lineup, Albies is the kind of player that could be in the starting lineup 155 times out of 162 games. That's that's the sort of run he could end up with. So you could put him near max volume in terms of games played. I think the plate appearances will maybe lag behind the league leaders, but when you think about all the mixing and matching that teams do, he'll still, I think, come out pretty favorably in that regard. Because you look back, 2018, 684 plate appearances. 2019, 702. 2021, 686. And like you're saying, a lot of those opportunities did come higher in the order but I don't think he was a fixture at the beginning of his career in the early part of the order either. I think he's weathered this a little bit at various points. So uh, the weird thing was before he was shut down for good, the O swing percentage for Albies, which has always been pretty high, was at 45.2%. And again, 64 games, he was playing around some injuries. That is concerning. That is where I think that Odor comp starts to make a lot of sense for me. Yeah, and uh, there's just also this aspect of his splits. Um, he's a, he's got a fairly like mechanically different swing when it comes to the left and the right. You know, a, a career split of 139 WRC plus against lefties, 94 against righties is not enough to ask if he should quit uh, switch hitting. That's something I might ask of, uh, is it Rodolfo Castro? Uh, who has a much larger split and is younger, younger part of his career. Uh, we've seen somebody like Cedric Mullins quit switch hitting and have great success with it. I think Albies is far enough in and has a soft enough split that that doesn't matter, but it may mean that against righties, he's low in the order, and against lefties, he's atop the order. Still, that aspect of where will his plate appearances come and how many will he get in a full season. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the chase rate's not great. The barrel rate is up and down. Um, so there's uh, there's some softness to it. But he has a great hit tool. And uh, that's why you would hope for about a 270 average from him. Uh, what, 25 homers, 20 steals, something like that. Really nice, especially if you get any sort of early round discount. And I think naturally it just happens. You miss half the season. Guys who played closer to full seasons tend to move up into those places. Maybe it's only a round off of the ADP, but perhaps occasionally he will fall more than that. A few confessions from me as we record on this Tuesday, just turning over a new page since it's November 1st and all. Uh, confession number one, I nuked the inbox again. So if you send an email into us, prior to the start of October, and I didn't one reply way to, to it. One Inbox Zero. I just cheated for the second time in two <laughs> years. Once a year, I'm allowed to just wipe the whole slate clean. 
I do that because I know I'm just not going to catch up and I appreciate everybody who wrote in. So if we didn't reply to you, know that we saw the message and considered it in some way, even if we didn't put it on the rundown or acknowledge it with some kind of response. Uh, rates and barrels at theathletic.com. If you want to send another avalanche of emails uh, our way, that would be wonderful. But I've got a few to, to get through in the next little while. Confession number two, I broke Whit Merrifield. I told people this was going to happen <laughs> back during draft season for 2022. I it said, still I've, created $12 or 1150 of value. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He did, but it was a, it was a painful 1150. <laughs> it, it was, it was 1150 that you just, you really, you didn't feel good about it for, for most of the season. I even traded for him in a couple of leagues and that, that made it worse. I had my, my lone share. I was like, this, this is bad. I don't like this guy. Why did I do that? And then in midseason, I need steals. I need someone who, who runs and is having a bad year. Oh, everybody who has Whit Merrifield wants to trade him. Let me be the buyer in this case. Eh, to varying degrees, it worked out okay. Um, still has the second base and outfield eligibility going into 2023. But this is just more of a hold your nose and, and say, how much of a discount would you need to be interested in this profile going forward because I was always nervous about him as an early round guy and at least as a discounted mid-round player depending on how the playing time looks like it's going to shake out maybe there's actually a case for him in 2023 yeah uh, I've, I, this is a guy that I've just uh, I think I've never had a share I'm really proud of you because <laughs> I stuck to my guns. You stuck to it. Yeah, you didn't you didn't cave to the pressure of we really need steals and the Royals play him every day, which yeah. finally after years of me just saying, "No, I I don't want this." I Will I caved. the Blue Jays play him every day? I don't think so, but will he even be a Blue Jay by opening day? Doesn't he seem like a player that would get moved again? Yeah. Was he just like a Was he like their burner for the playoffs? A very strange acquisition for me. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at the Blue Jays depth chart. Uh, you know, Espinal really fell off. And he looks like a guy that you only want to play against lefties. Problem is, Merrifield's a righty too. Who would want him as an everyday player at this stage? If anyone. Somebody to like reestablish his value, but then he's a free agent. He's a free agent next year, 2024. Right, he's... So it has to be a team that wants to play the middle and thinks he's an upgrade over an empty group of, of second basemen right now. Would like the Cubs put Whit Merrifield next to Nico Horner if they didn't? No, because they got two middle infielders they want to play, right? They'd, they'd, the they'd, they'd rather play oh, Nick Madrigal, Madrigal than trade yeah. for Whit Merrifield, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me look at the team's depth chart, second base. Oh, I found teams. it. I did it. I have White an answer. Sox? Angels. Oh, yeah. They could delude themselves into believing that it's a good idea to add Whit Merrifield. Because they could also, also use the outfield help. And maybe he's a backup plan for Mickey, Mickey Moniak in center or Trout. Yeah, Trout shouldn't. I don't think Trout should play center anymore. Anyway, yeah, he wants to. So you could be the one to tell him he can't play out there anymore. <laughs> I think the White Sox are also an interesting place right now. They got Romy Gonzalez, Lurie Garcia, and Yolbert Sanchez. They as fit their top three. Um, I don't think the Nationals would bother. You know, they'd rather give Luis Garcia a development year. I don't think the Tigers would bother. 
You know, the pirates would rather see what Rodolfo Castro can do, I think. I want to see what Rodolfo Castro can do. Yeah. yeah. I think we've narrowed it down to the two teams most likely to be interested just based oh, on... Oh, the Mariners will lose um, Adam Frazier. Hmm. Slight possibility there. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Adam, the point is... Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the playing time outlook if he stays in Toronto and the list of places where I could see him getting another 600 plate appearances is short. I think we'd put that list at about two teams right now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super into him next year. I think that the price would have to plummet, you know? I think I'd have to be choosing between him and Enrique Hernandez or something. Am I, am I going too far? No, because I, I think that's sort of the, the player type, the depending on your league rules, the multi-position eligible guys that... So you're not 100% sure will start at one place. That you could probably use for DCs, for draft and holds, but you don't necessarily want to use them every single week. I could see that. Um, Kike, for whatever it's worth, though, if, if you're playing in, in NFBC leagues, only has outfield eligibility because he's got 11 games at second and 10 at shortstop this year, so he loses some of the versatility in those leagues, so you got to check yeah, your you're rules. Losing some second baseman here, uh, Ryan McMahon, you lose Trey Turner, uh, C.J. Abrams, Ty France, Keston Hira, Garrett Hampson, you losing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so second base is a tough position, and it's only going to get worse. I think it's tougher next year. I mean, you're even losing downhill guys like Michael Chavis and Mauricio DeBone, like, you know, like depth guys. Um, yep. Javier Baez had second base eligibility. That's gone. He's just shortstop. Plus, now. there's a little bit of this aspect of the new, the new rules, the new shift rules. Uh, Cameron Grove uh, at pitching underscore bot did a little bit of an analysis and found that second base will actually have the biggest stress on it in terms of the new shift rules and how much range you want from your second baseman. So a guy like Michael Chavis no longer being second base eligible makes sense. Um, I don't think he'll get it back. You know, I think Ryan McMahon is a third baseman now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Enrique Hernandez. Um, but you may not see a lot of guys gain second base eligibility either right because if they lost it this year they're not allowed to gain it back in a year where range matters more the only one i could see maybe gaining it back is like garrett hampson if rogers plays short but what was, where was rogers playing let me see here rogers was playing second all the time didn't play any short oh uh Elu, uh who's the uh the new guy that just called up ezekiel tovar He's a shortstop, yeah. I mean, as long as he's in the big leagues, I think he's their regular shortstop. So Hampson is the center fielder? He's just a bench guy. Yeah. He's, they have he to be him. well past any notion that he's an everyday player. I think this is a really tough position, and you know, I'm really happy that my plan, well, not all my plans worked out. Mostly, I had a lot of Jose Altuve shares. Uh, and that worked out, and you can you can see that the olds did okay. Uh, some of the olds, in terms of like Jose Altuve and Marcus Simeon, um, they did okay. Uh, but there are some olds uh, that that fell off the table. Trevor Story comes to mind. Javier Baez is not uh, one I want in the future. 
Um, and then you see this Cattell Marte, Jorge Polanco, like mid-career veteran that you just thought was pretty bankable uh, that turned in pretty rough seasons. So, uh, you know, how many, how many young studs that are on the rise are there in this position? Any? <laughs> like who's not who's the like who's like oh i'll take an old guy and then later i'll take this young stud that's coming up like you could do something where you take max muncie and gavin lux hmm i'm more of the pick one of those guys and then go fish in a different team's second base right. pond and try and try and win both playing time battles. muncie and urias something more like that makes sense to me Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Andres Jimenez, should we talk about him? He's the up-and-coming. He was, by the auction calculator, the, well, with Trey Turner, the fifth best. But going into next season would be the fourth best uh, second baseman. Do you think he'll he'll be that again next year? I think he could. I think there's really zero risk of playing time concerns i think we did see some legitimate skills growth i i think i think i'm struggling the most with with andres jimenez is like how much how much of what he did is sustainable in the long run i mean we saw a lower k rate we saw a very very slight improvement to the walk rate i don't know if he's ever going to be an extremely patient hitter just looking at the minor league track record and also the chase rate's bad right there's there's enough hit tool this is this is the the ongoing debate in my mind or one of them is is it good hit tool or is it bad plate skills or is it a pretty good hit tool and mediocre with like which which combination is it and i think with the k rate going down it's a huge step forward for him because a 25 percent k rate wasn't going to work for him long term but are you buying all the power gains are you buying another high teens sort of home run season from a guy that had a 6.2 percent barrel rate I know he also runs, and he was very efficient as a base dealer, so you can probably put the stolen bases in the bank. Another 20 steals seems very likely. But I think it's the power that I'm the most skeptical of. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and and the, the, that power-strikeout relationship is the, uh, you know, has been the, uh, has been the, the main sort of, nexus for his career you know he like he had he had no power and didn't strike out and then he found a way to tap into the power and struck out more it's uh it's there is a a decision making process there where because power is out front and if you want to get to that power out front you have to make your decision earlier which does lead to strikeouts it's not as much what people say about having like a launch angle swing where 
you know, you can't match the planes or whatever. It, it's more about, you know, when do you make the decision to swing? Uh, I think that's a good sign that this year he made the decision to swing earlier, got to that power out in front, uh, and also cut his strikeout rate. Um, 11 homers away, six at home. It's an interesting split. How do you, I wonder how that fits into the balance schedule next year. You know, if he's, uh, if he's going to, if things are going to balance out because you're not in the same parks and you're not facing the same, um, pitching staffs all the time, right? You're facing every park and every pitching staff. Then maybe he's a true talent six homer at get home guy. You know, maybe he's a 12 homer guy. So I, I think my back of the my back of the back of the uh, napkin projection for him is uh, like two sixty fifteen thirty, but that thirty comes with an asterisk. That's mostly because of the new rules. Yeah, and well, and if everybody's running more, it's not like you're then it's getting the same a as leg the twenty up. last year. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, you're just going to need more bags. So he, he helps you, but it's all sort of relative. I think it's interesting because I look at this profile and Ozzy Albies has shown us more power at the big league level, but I do think that gives you an idea of where everything could go if the power holds. The max exit velocity was decent. Mm-hmm. It is, it is power mostly to the pull side, which is fine it's kind of like having a plan and, and executing it and taking advantage of yeah it's like jerks where like you know 12 of his 14 barrels were pulled you know just when you take that shot take that shot and and pull a homer you know the very early 2023 adp has albies at pick 42 and jimenez at pick 92 so i'd rather have jimenez with a 50 pick difference if that gap closes if we're talking about them in the same tier I'd still prefer Albies. And it's, yeah, but especially um, because we haven't seen a lot of Albies with this ball. We saw a, a pretty tremendous downturn in ISO, and you could say, well, it was in 269 plate appearances for Albies, and you wouldn't expect power to, uh, to stabilize that quickly. But at the same time, it is a new ball, a new environment. Uh, if you prorate out what he did last year, you're talking about 16 or 17 homers. So 50 points of ADP difference for, you know, you know what I just did in, on the back of the napkin, five homers may not be worth it. Going back to Albies again, 30 homers in 2021, at least the, the peak in homers didn't come in 2019. That's the, that's the power peak I'd be the most skeptical of. And we have seen flashes of, of the they were 9% using some rate. of this ball that they were using in 2022 in 2021. Right. So unless all his homers came on like the other ball. <laughs> that seems pretty unlikely. Yeah. All that is to say, I, mean, I do think Jimenez is a good young player. I think there are reasons to consider him where he's going if he stays at this ADP. I would be surprised when we talk about 2023 second baseman you know, looking forward and we have more draft data from the winter. I would be surprised if Jimenez is still sitting near the back of the top 100. I think he'll get closer to like pick 65, pick 70, something in that range, because the steals alone are going to be something that drive him up a little bit. And I think the more you look at the power, the more you can talk yourself into the possibility of one more level maybe being there and that he doesn't necessarily need that to happen to return enough value to be a fifth round pick in the 2023 season. Where do you see uh, Semyon and Altuve going in your early drafts? 
they are very close to each other, right around pick 42. Semyon so goes Simeon a little earlier because of the steals. Where, where he was, yeah. After that slow start, I mean, we talked about him when the season began, and it was was not good. He turned things around in a big way. I, I got to give him a ton of credit for that. He's a max PT guy. He will hit high in the order. God, he had the same amount of plate appearances, 724 in two straight seasons. Right. The only thing, uh, the, the best argument against a player like Marcus Simeon is that it's just very hard to stay that healthy year over year over year. That's a very, it's a skill, but it's a difficult thing to do, you know, for four or five straight seasons. An athlete. I would, uh, I, I may stay away uh, from the top of this position. And my evidence for that being a good strategy is uh, there's a run here that's actually pretty impressive starting at 102. So you have a rank over here. What's that rank? That's last year's ADP report that you're looking at. So rank is the overall pick number. Rank is the overall pick number. Okay, so starting at uh, 102 and going down to 212, you couldn't pick a bad second baseman. <laughs> Look at this. I mean, it does. Some of these names are not like the others, and you'll you'll point them out. But Tommy Edmond, Max Muncy, Jay Cronenworth, Chris Taylor, DJ LeMayhew, Rain Brian McMahon, Glaber Torres, Ty France, Brendan Rodgers, Colton Wong. Eduardo Escobar, Gene Segura. The average eighty, the average production out of that group is around ten dollars. Now, yeah, Chris Taylor was one dollar. Max Muncy was five fifty. Uh, Eduardo Escobar was seven thirty. John Segura was five fifty. But there are also Glyber Torres is seventeen bucks, and Ty, Ty Francis fifteen bucks. Jack Cronin was fourteen bucks, and Edmonds twenty one bucks that are in there. So I know a lot of those people are going to graduate, but they can't all graduate, you know. So some of those guys are going to be there again. And I think it's a perfectly fine place to shop. Now, there are some weird fits. Like if you if Max Muncy stays around there, then you've created a bit of a batting average problem and, you, and you're not getting any steals from your second baseman. So that's something that's usually you kind of want steals from your second baseman. Uh, that's, a, that's a concern for Taylor and France and Rogers. But if you have a, a high steals approach... And you've been taking steals for, with all your players uh, until you get into the 100 to 150 range. Then there's a great time to just be like, yeah, Brandon Rogers, thank you. You know, why not? Oh, Rogers is like the bargain shelf Corey Seager profile where you're like up the middle. Yeah. Doesn't steal bases, but he also doesn't have the same. I, I don't think he has nearly the, the batting average floor. I think it's still a notch below what Seager brings, even though he gets to play in Coors. Rogers is a strange player. I, I keep expecting one more level, and it's just, it's solid. It's fine. It works as an MI. It just doesn't get you above. I think what there you paid could be. There's not, it's not great evidence, but here's my evidence that he could have another level. 26 could improve his ground ball rate. It's a little bit high, and, you know, he still has one or two more years of improvement there by aging curves. The O swing has improved in every season he's been in the big leagues. The bail rate has slowly improved, uh, and he has a 112 max EV. So the raw power is there. It's a question of tapping into it a little better than he has. Uh, and the chase rate is improving, showing me that he is uh, seeing the ball better at the plate. And Coors does give him uh, a big boost in terms of OBP and, and batting average. Um, so, uh, like... What am I saying? I think next year he could hit 280 with 25 homers. And 
maybe 80 to 85 runs and 80 85 run RBI. Yeah, you do have to love the plate skills getting better, right? Because the walk rate going the up, the K rate, rate going got down, better too. Yeah, yeah, like those those core skills got better. It's just such an unusual player type that you sort of you have to plan for it to not get speed from the middle infield is always strange. So just make sure it's taken care of. By the point where he goes, it kind of should be taken care of. And he's another guy that I guess you want to look at and say, well, what's the price? He's cheaper. Brendan Rodgers is cheaper right now than he was last season in drafts, hmm. which doesn't make sense based on the skills changes. He he earned $9 last year. He earned almost as much as Trevor Story. I guess what I'm trying to to get at is like, I thought he had an even higher ceiling yeah. Then like what he's showing hints of. I mean, you I just tried to I just tried to put on the rose-colored ga- glasses and I got to what 280 25 homers. <laughs> no steals. Here's what I was really getting at. As I remember when he came through in the upper levels of the minor leagues, he was 12 for 15 as a base stealer as a 21-year-old at Double A. It's like, okay, it's efficient. It's only 95 games. It's close to like an 18 to 20 steal pace over a full season. So even if you knock him down to like eight to ten as a big leaguer, because we know you don't, you don't get yeah, one to why one. Is he not stealing three to five at least or something. He doesn't. He's never attempted a stolen base in the big well, leagues. He may maybe he attempted one and you know someone fouled a pitch off or something. But there there are zero caught stealings. Wow, zero steals, zero caught stealings, and that's over a thousand plate appearances now in the big leagues. And I guess yeah. that number. It's still not that much big league experience. That should be the one other thing that gives you some hope. So the more we talk about him, I guess the more I kind of like the idea of taking him where he's going because at pick 250, if he's going in that range, 10 bucks is great and there's a chance you get 15 to 18. But I think I've just given up on the possibility of the steals being there and I think I'm tempering the power expectations a little bit relative to you. I think the ceiling's more like a 20 home run season than 25 plus. But 20 in this environment... If the run environment in 2023 ends up being like the run environment in 2022, 20 home runs is actually really nice. It's not the year. It's it's not like trick or treating, you know, where it's like everybody's just getting 20 home run seasons anymore. It's not like that. It's different. Yeah, not those are way down. Getting on, you know, the handfuls of chocolate bars. Yeah, everyone's getting out there full size. Well, <laughs> Twizzlers. Are you kidding me? There's people who love Twizzlers. It's like plastic. You're just chewing on plastic. It's like a straw. You like straws? You like to eat straws? Here's a twist. I don't. <laughs> I will say if I had to eat a straw, I'd rather eat a straw in California than in other places. <laughs> That's where it's paper. <laughs> I like my chances a little more against the California straws. But, I, you know, I just, I, I find, I think next year, you know, I think Simeon Altuve could be, to, could be good, sort of steady Eddie bets. I do just get nervous at at some age where I'm like, then there's just like going to be a knee injury or something. He's th- you know, 32 for Simeon. Altuve is 32. It's usually where the projections get softer due to research from Zeph Zimmerman. It's 32 to 33. This is usually where the uh-oh part of the aging curve you know <laughs> like he was really good until he's 32 i feel like you could say that on a lot of players so i i'm just a little bit nervous about that part and um i don't think i want to play full price for albies so i think i'll be shopping in you know maybe have a toe in the brandon lau you know could tell like brandon lau jazz chisholm bounce back 
you know, section maybe. Uh, but I also just think that I may just wait until pick 100 to see what's left in second base and, and, uh, and pick from that group. I think you can get away with it. We saw a lot of, of late values emerge at the position. Jimenez, we talked about earlier, he was a $21 player that you were getting outside the top 250 overall in a lot of drafts. And even if you were in a, a draft where someone was aggressive, like pick 150, 175 was the earlier part of the range for where he was going. Jeff McNeil, we talked about him, I think, is just a strange player type to to bank on, but he ended up providing a lot of value. Somewhat similar to Luis Arias, who has, who they both ended up around 16 bucks of value. So those player types are often available. Yeah. Uh, Josh Rojas returned a lot of value. He's going pretty late. Ramon Arias ended up being kind of a good filler type. Wasn't necessarily someone you could trust all the time, but he was readily available. I think the other thing that was strange about this position, we talked about Tyro Estrada on the shortstop episode, and I think if John Birdie had stayed healthy all season, he might have had a shot at 18 to $20 because he was doing a lot on a per-game basis. Brandon Drury is one of the most out-of-nowhere relative to ADP players to come close to $20 in recent years. I mean, barely drafted, even in the deepest of leagues back in April. He ended up playing enough games to qualify going forward at second, third, and first. Of course, got traded to the Padres midseason. What do you make of, of Drury's season, and, and how how viable do you think he might be going forward? He's always been kind of a, a barreler you know uh this last year was his best barrel rate season but before like his career barrel rate is 7.4 percent which is not something to sneeze at you know that's that's above average so you take a guy whose career right strikeout rate is right around league average 22 percent and has above average barrel rate uh and can play a lot of different positions and you, you plug him in I think uh, I think he would project to be around a league average player next year, which is always problematic, you know, because you're talking about a 30-year-old league average guy, maybe 1.8 win type projection, you know. So that's not something that the uh, that the marketplace values, you know. And uh, you know, without a position, he's kind of uh, like an all like an always position. He's kind of. Uh, shopping in the utility market. You know, he either wants to jump on with a a, a really good team, and uh, and uh, and just be their depth, or uh, you know a a bad team, and you know try to get seven hundred plate appearances, uh, and redo what he did and get a better deal later. I kind of think at thirty, uh, like he he for example this last season, um, you know was like didn't have a deal when spring training was starting and like was gonna go i forget where it was it wasn't cincinnati he was gonna go to an, like the d-backs i think and they got a call last minute from the reds and he said sure it's because he just thought maybe there was more playing time there so I, I don't know if it's gonna be as bad for him this year but i i think it's gonna be a, a thing where he's got multiple crappy offers you know what i mean He's going to have like, there's going to have, there's going to be three teams that, that give him the same offer because that's, this is like the new collusion is like, you know, it all spits out dollars per war. Our models you know? are all the same. Yeah, exactly. Our models are all the same. So he'll get, he'll have three, uh, one year, you know, $8 million, uh, uh, contracts that he can choose between. One of them might be to stay with the Padres. I, I think he'll be a decent, 
uh, depth pick. I think it'll be hard to know without knowing exactly where he signs to know if I want to um, want to bet on it. But you know, people really put season. people put guys at second. Um, that uh, second base is a place where you kind of fill in sometimes. So I'm also I'm interested. I think Brand Drury might be okay depending on where he ends up. But I'm also interested in the question of like, is there a, a, a Brand Drury next year? Can we find a buried player that actually ends up playing a ton and doing some good things? Could it be Isaac Paredes? Could it be Zach McKinstry in a, in a in a either on a new team or on a, or not at second base? You know, but still second base eligible. Uh, could it be like Mike Brasso and a new team? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, this just yeah, it comes into falling into excessive playing time. It's almost like this is the this is the player type that a good team will say, "We we like you. We want you here. You're going to get 400 plate appearances here." And a bad team says, "You're playing every day. We're just going to move you around, and we're going to catch lightning in a bottle." It was, that's why I took the Reds over the D-backs, right? It was just like, "Oh, there's a spot there for me." So I guess uh, that's the that's the ticket. It's it's about opportunity, as much as it is about uh, quality and 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 how good the player is. So if the White Sox or Tigers or Angels, those three teams, if the White Sox, Tigers, or Angels sign an interesting veteran at second base, my ears perk up. I think the other part of this is if you look at the Angels. Yeah, you know, they have that unsettled spot at second base. Luis Renjifo was fine. I think you, you, you could go into the season where he's a starter, but you maybe want him to be more of a utility guy. Jared Walsh had a down year at first base, and Walsh is a lefty, Drury's a righty. So maybe Brandon Drury fits really well on this Angels depth chart because they can move him around to a couple spots given the injury issues and concerns about Rendon staying healthy. First, second, third base are all options. Defensively, by outs above average, Brandon Drury was not a bad defender. Kind of a neutral defender everywhere. Yeah, it doesn't super line up with my eye test, but it's. I mean, I I would have assumed negative everywhere, but maybe yeah. didn't play anywhere long enough to go that direction. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, really Drury mean also seems like the like a Giants type player, right? <laughs> like has good platoon splits, can play a lot of places. Uh, I wonder how many times the Giants can press that button. You know, at some point you're like you have. 20 of these guys. Is that enough? <laughs> Never. We want 25 Brandon Drury's. Some of them are left-handed. Yeah, you would want a few of the left-handed <laughs> variety, I think. I guess the to get back to your question, can you find a player like this? The thing that I think Brandon Drury did really well in very limited time in the big leagues in 2021 was we saw the spike in hard hit rate, a 46.8% hard hit rate. The barrel rate was kind of in line with career norms up to that point, but we saw this spike in just batted balls over 95+. plus. So maybe you find someone who's been a part-time player that just hits the ball really hard, and you make an adjustment, or you give them more time and kind of see what happens. So I'm filtering the leaderboard right now at Savant down to 25 batted ball events. And trying to find some surprises. David Bodie. David Bodie always pops mm. in StatCast. Like, it's just to let him play somewhere. I've had David Bodie shares on my DCs for like two or three years, right? 
it hasn't, hasn't quite worked out for me yet. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might not be at this position, too. That's the thing. It, it, may, yeah. it may not always but be, be the same But he'd be second spot. base eligible, right? I think Bodie could be. He was hurt so much, he may have lost some eligibility this year just because he didn't play enough. Where oh, yeah, Bodie's number Bodie one. Play? That's great. I love it. Zach Short, if you have six events. But he he's the guy who has like a forty percent strikeout rate, right? Yeah, Dave <gasps> Jonathan Bodie. Aranda. But this is that's a different Jonathan Aranda is actually someone who could be an interesting young prospect type, and I guess Nolan Gorman. He's on prospect. You know, yeah, yeah. He's on those are list. those are kind of prospect types. The, the other player that we should talk about from a prospect perspective is Vaughn Grissom, because mm. if Dansby Swanson leaves, I think they let him play shortstop because Albies plays second base. But yeah. I think Grissom has the second base eligibility because of Albie's absence. So they really kind of bailed on him in front of the postseason, which was surprising, given that the alternative was Orlando Arcia. That was sad in some ways. Yeah, I wonder if there was uh, an element of being figured out. Let me look at his O-swing. No, he wasn't uh, chasing more. He does. He does chase a fair amount, though. So maybe they just didn't think he would give them the very best uh, uh, at bats in the postseason. Like for example, uh, his strikeout rate, the rolling strikeout rate as the season ended was thirty percent. So I know that's not. I don't think that's his true talent. I mean, if you look at his minor league levels, he made a lot of contact. Looks like a premium hit tool guy. Over the course of the season, he had a twenty-two percent strikeout rate, and that that would be a, a reasonable expectation going forward but i actually think he might be able to cut that k rate but maybe they just didn't think it was going to happen right now in the crucible you know um and they just wanted to have more dependable abs but uh i think uh, grissom could hit 280 with uh, uh i don't know something like 18 homers and 25 steals i mean i think that's i think he's going to be really good I know that the chase rate is higher than than people. People might be surprised to look at his chase rate and and see me like him. But we're talking about a young player. Uh, the chase rate can get better, and then players, young players, can succeed with chase rates. I get more upset about chase rates when they turn twenty eight and twenty nine and thirty. You know, uh, because that's when it really starts to fall apart based on on chase rates. So you just look at Javier Baez as an example. But in the in when they're young, I don't care as much about it. Also, his swing strike rate's really great. It's really good, actually. Uh, so I could see him improving that strikeout rate. Um, and the power, you know, the max EV wasn't amazing, but the barrel rate was above average. So I, I see enough power there. And I think, I'm just reading the tea leaves. I think they're going to let Dansby go. You know, I think they could, they've extended everybody around him, right? <laughs> like, they could have extended Dansby, you know? They're letting him go. Like, remember, they let Freeman go. Same same deal. You know, they could have extended these guys. They extended all the young guys. And they let Dansby go. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, we've talked about Michael Harris a lot on the pod, and, and Grissom spent even less time at AA than Harris did. 98 plate appearances before they promoted him to the big leagues. I imagine the adjustment, something they were seeing on the micro level is a big part of why they made that last-minute switch but it's just like come on your your fallback option is not is not a guy that you really feel that good about just let the young guy get the experience i don't think that's going to break you i think they would 
if they did anyway, if they did give him the opportunity to play every day, the power-speed combo, that alone, I think makes him fine in the 150 to 200 range. There's just a lot of uncertainty right now about what happens. If Dansby leaves, is there a short-term stopgap that he can get? Is there an equivalent to this offseason's Carlos Correa that they could get on a shorter deal with opt-outs? Block him for a year. Just kind of to give themselves a little bit of protection, to send him back to the upper levels of the minors, make sure everything is good to go, and then they can bring him back up again in 2024 or that's that's the only thing that I'd be a little bit worried about given where they're at competing even though they just gave him that opportunity in the second half of this season yeah I mean I guess there's like a Jose Iglesias ah, see I wouldn't I wouldn't send Grissom down like I if that's your best option I would play Grissom in the beginning of the season see what happens and then figure out how you're going to solve how you're going to solve the problem and then like trade in the for season Iglesias. You know, or like, you know. You, yeah, you get that player later if the young player doesn't handle the opportunity. That's that's how I would want to do it. Uh, and the, the track record in Atlanta is they trust their young guys. I think Paul Christmas is the only shortstop. I just do. I mean, doesn't that track with all the rest of their guys? I guess Harris was Harris. Harris wasn't really an opening day guy. Nope, he wasn't. He was an early season call up, and I think many of us expected him to go back down if he struggled. But they, but shortstop is also a place where you you can put a guy in the nine hole, you know, in your lineup, and you say, "Hey, we're gonna we love you, and you're gonna move up in this order as you get better and better, uh, and we think you're gonna be a superstar for us." But we would just we want you to pick it at short, right? Pick it at short and. And let the and let the offense develop. I think you can do that at short. And if you look at it, shortstop is a young man's game. Uh, there are very few sort of past thirty year old shortstops. And Dancy Swanson's arm strength is the worst rated arm strength among the shortstops that are available. So, you know, I I think and people say, well, how much does that matter? I don't know. There are a ton of bang bang plays at short. Just watch a game. You know, there's a ton of bang-bang plays at first base. And I think a little bit of arm strength makes a lot, a big difference. We talked about range, too. It can make a difference in where you can play. So, like, are you really going to pick up Elvis Andrews and, and put him there over, over Ron Grissom? I say no. You might pick up a shortstop, uh, uh, a shortstop, a player that can play shortstop to be depth, but Arcia can play some shortstop, right? He used to be able to. I don't know if he still can play it well. Uh, the concern I would have with Grissom at shortstop, based on this conversation, is he's 10th percentile in arm strength himself. Mm. There might be some questions about whether or not he's a second baseman or a shortstop long term. That is an interesting find. Thank you for that. You have yucked my yum a little. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I'm still, I'm still excited about Von Grissom. Arguing with myself now, if you played Dansby Swanson at shortstop with 15th percentile arm strength, do you care that much about arm strength? Yeah, maybe. And there goes the arm of my chair again. Thanks, Super Glue. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's a, I'm going to be talking about this in more in detail this weekend at uh, First Pitch Arizona, so I don't want to give it all away, but the balance schedule is going to do some weird stuff to player evaluation. We're going to have a lot of, we're going to have a lot of little small arrows pointing in different directions. So I, I think the overall play is trust projections and reevaluate after next season if you have to. Because, you know, it'll be really hard to, like, parse every little small arrow. Will all the guys who steal 20 steal 27, but the guys who steal 12, will they steal 15? And You know what I mean? Like, but oh, but now, and this is the one that people aren't talking about so much, the balanced schedule. So Tyro Estrada got a lot of playing time in Colorado. In fact, mm. I think he got the most played appearances by a non-Rocky in Colorado. He had 68 plate appearances. A tenth of his plate appearances were in Colorado. He had a 688 slugging in Colorado. Oh, that's not good because he slugged 402 overall. Yes. And I, in fact, uh, I have it broken down here. Uh, Let me see here. Uh, So 588 slugging in Colorado, 39 plate. There's actually names that are worse. He's not, he's not number one. I'll leave those names who are worse for people attending first pitch. Uh, but but with Tyra Strada, because we're on the position, 39 plate appearances there, 588 slugging, 385 everybody everywhere else. His 588 slugging in Coors changed his 385 to a 402 overall. So he's more like a true talent 385 slugging guy. Yeah, but he runs. No, um, I don't want to be the one that sits here and talks anybody into like, paying full no, price that's what you just did there. That's what I'm talking about. There's going to be a little down arrow on Tyro Estrada because he's not in cores as much. There's going to be a little up arrow because he runs. <laughs> Maybe just trust the projections. And the projections, I think, are going to catch on to what you're getting at with him. I think the funny thing with Tyro Estrada, we, this is like the reverse of Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers runs in the upper levels of the minor leagues. We expect him to run as a big leaguer. Tyro Estrada... Went 6-for-10 as a base dealer at AAA in 2021. Had 52 games in the big league, stole one base a season ago. And then rips off 21 steals and 27 attempts this year. Because, of course. And if you go back through his track record, the best stolen base season he had, at least for like a, a time at a level, was all the way back in low A. He was 11-for-14 in 35 games. So there were some indications at that age in 2016, maybe, maybe someday he'd steal a lot of bases. But... Just the lack of opportunities, even as he moved through the Yankees system and eventually spent a little time at Sacramento with the Giants. Like, that's 
that's a weird arc to a 20 steal season. It really is. I, I, I guess I would point to maybe superior coaching at the major league level because stolen bases now are very mathed out where it's all about the numbers of the pop time, uh, the pitcher's time to home. Um, and their pitch mix. And I think, you know, I think they've mathed it out so heavily that maybe the go-don't-go toggle is uh, handled for you better by the coaching staff in the major league level, you know? Maybe in the minor leagues, they're a little bit more like, yeah, you get the green light if you want to, you know? Guys are like, well, no, I'm going to get hurt. I just want to get to the big leagues, so yeah, keep playing. Right. Yeah. In those situations, at least. All right, and, and then you'll see some guys who they're like, yeah, you have the green light if you want, and they're in low A, and they want to get on a prospect list, and they'll just, they'll, like, steal 40 out of 65 attempts, and you're just like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, <laughs> you're probably not going to steal that many bases in the big leagues if you're going to keep being that successful. I'll use more sound drops in the near future, and you'll know it's me trying to get on prospect lists for podcasters. <laughs> when the production quality of the show goes up, you'll know that's the reason why. <laughs> trying to be noticed by the scouts. <laughs> sound drops, the stolen bases of podcasting. <laughs> Unnecessary sound drops, just littered rates and barrels. It used to be a nice conversation between two people, and now it's just utter chaos with out-of-context jokes and stupid sounds that don't make any sense. You know, free agency is not a place to go get a middle infield, which is why it's a little rough in uh, places like San Francisco, because I just, t I just put up the best free agent second base and shortstops, and there are... A total, a grand total of six of them that put up more than one win last year. And of those six, only one is below 30. Uh, and that's Danzu Swanson. So it's a tough place to go shopping. Uh, even though you have these four guys, you know, Swanson, Turner, Bogarts. Oh, Bogarts is not listed here because he's hasn't officially declined the option yet. Bogarts, Turner, uh, Swanson, and Correa. Uh, how many of them will be shortstops in three years, two years? Fair question. Yeah, when you hit free agency at a normal age, you tend to lose that ability by the end of a long, long-term deal. Other injuries, real quick, kind of simple question. Mulligan or not for these players? I think you mentioned Brandon Lau in passing. I'm intrigued. Are you in for 2023 on Brandon Lau? I am. It was, it was a poor season, and I know... Uh, he has some weird splits and uh, a really soft uh, batting average where it could be anywhere from, you know, 220 to 270. Uh, but I think the power is real. The max EV was still there. The barrel rate wasn't, but I chalked that up to at least to some uh, to injury. So uh, I like to see that he had the best max EV that he's had in the last three years. Uh, even while he struggled with uh, such a poor season. So I'm going to buy Brandon Lau next year. And, you know, it's not uh, a 31 or 32-year-old uh, trying to come off injury. It's a 28-year-old, and I think that's significant. Going even younger for injured players, Jazz Chisholm, whose ADP in early drafts is already up from where it was last year. Do you see enough signs of growth to buy in, and do you trust that the injury he had will be completely gone going into next season? I think it's a weird thing for for to, for to happen is to miss that much time and your ADP go up. But I guess the 
you know, the, the, the real thing that we were worried about were the kind of the plate skills for him. And he cut the strikeout rate uh, in, the, in the half season that he did. And the power, I guess. There's been sort of up and down uh, aspect to his power. And he had a 17% barrel rate last year. So uh, I guess I believe it. And uh, I absolutely have him uh, circled as one of the few guys that I might, uh, you know, jump at before pick 100. Yeah, had the uh, had the eligibility at both spots and is now just a second base only player. So I guess he'd kind of fit that other description of who's the exciting, everyday, young second base only player. Well, Jazz Chisholm has become that guy. I know you like Jonathan India as a really well-balanced player going into this season. It seemed like every possible injury happened to him. We talked about Trevor Story on the last episode where it was like a mix of bad luck and chronic stuff. And he just never seemed to get healthy. Uh, you're going to get a discount, at least early in draft season, on India. I can't imagine there's anyone there to push him for playing time. So this one seems like a pretty easy write-off 2022 and, and take the discount for 2023. Yeah, I may put India and Jazz in a bucket and uh, take the guy who falls to me. I know that Jazz is better and uh, more exciting, um, but there is an injury concern there. And if that means I end up with India, then I just have to be careful because I don't like the soft tissue injuries, you know? I like that his max EV was even better, actually, than 2021. Uh, so I think the raw power was still there. Uh, but I don't like that a player who stole 12 bases in 2021 only stole three in 2022 uh, and had soft tissue hamstring injuries. I don't like that at all. So um, I have, as another way of saying, I have no idea how many bases you'll steal next year. Like, I have no idea for a lot of players, but this one is like, a big red circle like no idea he could steal anywhere from i like literally he could steal anywhere from zero to like 25 next year don't you think zero um, is the, zero is the hamstring was really hurt and he's it's still a little bit hurt and he doesn't want to test it and he just doesn't steal bases or maybe make it like three again you know uh 25 is the hamstring was hurt but he fixed it he comes back and the rules are are great and he just runs so 25 is a lot, even even with the new rules. I mean, I guess I I thought his previous ceiling was more like 15. 3 to 20, then. 3 to 20. Uh, that's, that's, rough. that's a rough thing to kind of uh, put in your calculator and, and, and gin up a value for. Right? <laughs> I'd buy in more for like 7 to 8, and if you get a lot more than that, terrific. You're getting him because he can be a positive contributor in all five categories. I think that's the And I think the I still see in. that. Look at that. There's the 21% uh, strikeout rate, 21.8% strikeout rate. That's actually above average. The 8.6% swing strike rate suggests that the strikeout rate could actually go lower. Uh, his chase rate is good. His walk rate wasn't great, but it, you know, it was a, a bit of a lost season. I could see his walk rate being more like 9, 10% again next year. That's what it was every year in the minor leagues. So, you know, good plate skills, uh, mostly an above average runner. Uh, you know, the bail rate was really good in 21 and the max max EV was pretty good in both years. I, I, I see a pretty complete player still. Last one, because I have a temperamental golden doodle suddenly standing behind me looking like she needs something. Uh, Jorge Polanco, knee injury this year cost him a lot of time played. I think 109 games. Am I doing the math right on the fly? 104 looks like based on the actual counter. Must have moved around a little bit. Uh, still hit 16 homers, stole a handful of bases, but the average dropped. 
I just don't know how many games he played where he was completely healthy. So there's there's that to sort of bake in here too. And kind of in between the age where you really worry about injuries and, and being young, right? Yeah, he's not yeah. he's not young, but he's not old. And is it an old 29? No, it's a young 29 at least. Um, yeah, and then there's some uh, eligibility uh, questions uh, given that Carlos Correa may leave town and Royce Lewis is coming back from yet another ACL tear. Uh, there is not necessarily an obvious shortstop replacement and nobody in Minnesota wants uh, Jorge Polanco to play short. Um, I don't think because they have some uh, PTSD from when it happened before. Um, so I don't, I don't know what's happening there, but uh, playing time should be there. He's still, you know, as bad as some aspects of his last season were, he had a 119 WRC plus, you know, so he's going to be in the lineup. Um, and I know the power went down at the same time that the, the ball changed. But the max, v, max EV went up and the barrel rate stayed the same. And if you just got, if you just, even if you just prorate out what he did to 600 plate appearances, you're talking about 20 homers and five steals. So I think he's a, a good deep league uh, by low. I think he's a solid MI even for a 12 teamer because I don't think the playing time is really in any danger at all. I think the, Health track record going back to 2019 was actually really good prior to this season, so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I think you're right. Hitting on the barrel rate, it's still above 10% this year, even in a year where a lot of things went wrong. So definitely in on Jorge Polanco. And I think, as you can tell, there's a lot of values that fell into the range we were talking about earlier. That that run of you know pick 100 to pick 200, all these guys that, for the most part, didn't crater this year. Now you've got players that were going in the 50 to 100 range this season falling down into the 100 to 200 range. What are your ADPs for Polanco in India right now? India 159, Polanco 140. In on both, if that's the price, for sure. I love it, especially if you have, uh, you know, Brendan Rodgers as a, as, a, as a fallback plan, you know? I, yeah. love, I love that group. I, I think I'll be shopping there, to be honest. Brandon Lau and Jazz Chisholm are guys, what are they going at? They're going up higher. Chisholm is like top 50. Lau is actually in the same range as Polanco, 147. So you're getting a steep discount on all Polanco, Lau. Chisholm will India. be a, a tough one for me. He, he's not exactly the type of player that I love, but he is young. And if he had a full season, you're talking about a guy who could go 30-30 next year. So, you know, it'll be... That'll be touch and go for me. Like I think Chisholm, Simeon, Altuve. That'll like I'll be looking at them. You know, as I bet Jazz is the kind of player if he's really healthy in the spring, he oh, vaults he up. He could be one of those guys that gets into like the round two range all of a sudden at, at the very end of draft season in the high stakes market. He's the kind of guy that just I like him. He's playing really well. He's got all the tools. He could be. Yeah. And then then the value's but, gone. It's like well you just crushed it. You you took the. You took the possibility of having this guy that returns that kind of value from 20 to 30 yeah. picks later, and you you kind of put the expectation right on him by taking him that early. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I'm i reading between the lines, and I, I like him maybe where he is now, especially uh, in like early draft season, DC draft season, uh, if you're drafting now, if you're looking for uh, you know an off-season keeper league target. 
Um, I think, you know, Chisholm now uh, makes sense to get him before the hype and not after the hype. Um, but I will ha I think just generally I'll have a difficult time uh, putting all my money down at the price that it'll take for Simeon Altuve and Jazz. And I think, uh, especially with Lau falling into that uh, hundreds group, if I'm, if I have the choice later of Lau, India, uh, Polanco, you know, even route Rogers, like I, I think I feel like I can, uh, get better bang for my buck later on at the second base position. Yeah. That's the sense I'm getting as well. Just looking at how things are shifting from 2022 and taking the early, early look at 2023. Uh, we are going to go. Hazel is going to get a chance to go outside. So have no fear. If you got a question for us for a future episode, rates and barrels at the athletic.com is the email address. And again, I apologize for going back to inbox zero, but it was necessary because it wasn't going to be done the right way. I wasn't going to dig out of that hole. Uh, on Twitter, you can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. We're going to record a little bit later in the week next week. I've got some time off coming up. If you're going to first pitch, enjoy the trip. I'll it's always a blast. It's going to be fun. Eno will be there. I will not. Bring in some stuff plus beers. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. It was really good. I had mine. It was delicious. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend. But uh, have safe travels if you're going. And we are back with you next week. Thanks for listening.